Max, this weekend I'm throwing a crazy party. I love parties. What do you need? I need you to bring me some beer. Well, I know exactly where I'm going to go to get that beer. Boy, you have to sing it to me. Where are you going to Let get me that slang beer? you some info. Here it is. I'm going to go to Spike's Bottle Shop, 1270 East First Avenue. Why am I going to go there, you ask? Yeah. A, best craft beer selection in town. Do they have AK-47 ammo? Nope. Damn B, it. <laughs> B uh, because I listen to this podcast, and because if you're hearing this, you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off by using our password, which is FHC. Go in there, get your beers, go to checkout, say FHC, mother and then you get 10% off. And then go to Johnny's party. Johnny, I'll be there with all the beers. You better be there. And you don't have to lie. I know that you're tapping your foot and you're bobbing your head. And I'm here to tell you what you're hearing. This is a song called Tell Her by M. The Heir Apparent. It's off of his debut EP, Be Free, and he's just released a music video for the song. It's his personal tribute to the film, The Neverending Story. So if you like what you're hearing, go on and download his music. Go buy it, go listen to it, go stream it, whatever you gotta do. Uh, if you wanna see the video itself, go to youtube.com slash M. The Heir Apparent. That's the letter M, the word the, Air, as in H-E-I-R, a parent. He's a great musician. I highly recommend him. So go check him out. Enjoy the episode. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. And I'm pouring some beer. Hey everybody, this is Fresh Hop Cinema. My name is Max Minardi. My name's Johnny. And uh, if you've never tuned in before, this is a show about craft beer being poured right in front of us and movies. And uh, that's what's going on. Yeah, we pour movies out right in front of we ourselves. We do, and we pour them into the microphones to your ears that drink them up. Mm. I like that. That is a sexy analogy. Yeah. I like that. Uh, it's going to be a fun episode today. Uh, we are talking about a movie that we've had on our radar for several months uh, called A Ghost Story, and we are drinking beers from a brewery called El Segundo right here in California. Yeah. We just got distribution of this brewery back in this area for the first time in a long time. Um, so we decided instead of doing our usual you know, two different breweries, maybe some contrasting styles, that we were just going to feature one. Yeah. Because... But why not? One brewery, that is. Yeah, one brewery. Though two, relatively similar styles. Yeah, two but. beers, uh, one brewery. We're doing a, a single hop uh, from their single hop series, and mm-hmm. then we're doing a double IPA later. Yeah, so, so. it's going to be fun. Um, yeah, I'm stoked. Before we get into stuff, is there anything you want to talk about about our lives? Nah. Yeah. We got. A, I feel like we got a lot of real legitimate info to cover, so we could probably yeah, glaze over that. Pretty much, and we've been talking a lot about our lives That's lately true. anyway. Um yeah. Well, cool. Uh, let's talk about this beer then. It's uh, it's poured into our tulips, respectively. Yes. Uh, so thank you for that. Also, cheers. Cheers. Beer. beer that sounded like plastic or something. <laughs> We're drinking out of real glassware, uh, I swear. Yeah, but uh, Johnny's going to deliver some info on this. But in the meantime, this is part of El Segundo's Bursted series. It's a single hop uh, series of beers, and this is called Vic's Secret, which is the variety of hop used in this IPA. Um, and it is uh, six point, am I tripping out? Six percent, actually. Six percent even. Uh, as alcohol goes. Okay. Um, and I just want to read one more bit of info on the bottle description. It says, super simple, single hop in one massive late boil kettle edition. 
Base beer stays constant. I think that's just a generalization of their whole series. Uh, we'll release them three at a time, taste them all. So yeah, there were two other options, and we went with this one. Yeah. Uh, we went with this one because um, the Vic Secret Hop actually has kind of a, a cool little background uh, and a little bit of a story. Uh, it's from Australia, and traditionally speaking, I love hops from Australia. Like the Azaka. Uh, Azaka, mm-hmm. Equinox. I'm not oh, sorry, yeah. Galaxy. Oh, okay, yeah. Galaxy hops, so good. Um, so the Vic Secret Hop, I guess they they originally wanted to call it Victoria's Secret, mm-hmm. and then they got sued. Yeah, that's fair. Because this hop's tits weren't big enough, I guess. This is a pretty, I mean, that's a pretty big band, band brand to compete with. Yeah, it's like saying these are McDonald's hops. Right. Which yeah. kind of goes against craft beer in general. Yeah, I guess so, huh? Yeah. It's like these are a Budweiser hop. They yeah. should name a strain of hops like Adolphus. What's that? That's uh, the founder of Budweiser's first name. Really? Adolphus Bush. That'd be funny, yeah. Yeah. Why isn't there like a super exclusive strain called Adolphus? Homebrewers. Oh, that's a genius Get troll. On it. Like Stone Brewing should do that. Oh, yeah, for sure. That would be such a stone move to be like, yeah. screw you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be all about that. Yeah. That sounds great. Stone Brewing, if you're listening. Uh, yeah. Do that, you guys. That's yeah. actually also Stone. Uh, we were going to do one of your beers today. Yeah. We were going to do the Ghost Hammer IPA because of the movie. Ghost Story. Yeah. We but, caught it a little late in the season. Yeah. It's a rotating seasonal, and it's it's gone yeah. bye-bye. It's it, good beer, though. It was so good. But we missed it for the show. Yeah, it was so good, it sold out. So that's okay. So, yeah, that's cool. There'll be another good one around the corner, I'm yeah. sure. But no, Johnny, what can you tell me about Vic Secret Hops? So a little bit about the hop. Um, aroma, you're going to get a lot of fruit, um, some herbs, definite some pine notes in it. Um, they use it specifically in the Whirlpool and the Dry Hop. Um, they It's supposed to emphasize like the earthiness. Uh, in the hop, and uh, with a little bit of the fruit when they add it late. Yeah, so that's what they're saying in, on this beer. They, it said specifically a late boil kettle edition. So they do all the all the normal brewing, and then they dump these just massive, massive store of hops in there. Mm-hmm. Specifically for this one because of the aroma. Yeah, you get such an aroma and it's, such a strong flavor. It is flavor. intense. It's so good, though. Yeah, no, I really it's, like it's it, It's powerful, too. Yeah. Like, and it's fresh. That's another point that I'd like to make about this beer. We date-checked True. the hell out of it because... Uh, I'm done doing IPAs that are old on this show and yeah. just having a crap representation of a beer. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> yeah, so, this one's about six weeks old. Yeah, so I'm going to stroke this hop a little bit more. Um, it was developed in Victoria, Australia, in around the year 2000. It was uh, known originally as Cultivar, which yeah. is interesting. But, uh, yeah, it's an Australian exclusive hop, and it's, from what I hear, pretty hard to come by uh, in the United States. So it's definitely on the, the rarer side. Mm-hmm. It's, I've never had it, which is another great reason to showcase the beer. Um, it's just a fun new thing to try. So, yeah, that is the lowdown on the hop. Yeah, it's uh, it's real tasty. I think it's, it's nice in this beer. It's not overpowering necessarily, but um, the beer itself is really light. Uh, it feels like a good 6%, and that's it's, about it. It's a lot lighter than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. It's almost fluffy. Ooh. But then I definitely get, like, raw pine notes on the finish. Mm-hmm. Um, very nice. Like a nice pine sap. Yeah. I really like that. Uh, it's got a beautiful nose. It's not overly floral, which I enjoy. Yeah. Because so many like uh, other beers just get way too flowery. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just me. We were saying that about whatever beer we had last week, weren't we? Uh, what was that? The the BFD? Yeah, it was. Or, yeah. G-A-G-B-F-D-A-B-R-M-C-A. B-R-M-C-A. 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 B-R-M-C
VD. Yeah, it was one of those. It was either Sierra Nevada or it the was Green that, Flash. It was that VD beer. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Green Flash. Get it? Or VD? The, the ED? What did you say? VD, ED? ED. I've got VD in my ED, yeah. <laughs> and it's a Green Flash. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's not a good time for anyone. No. But yeah, no, it was the the GFB. Yeah, the that's Green Flash beer. Right. From Green Flash that was like super flowery. Yeah, you love that like, beer, though. I did. Yeah. It was weird because it just worked, mm-hmm. but I think... That's because it was like a blonde that was supposed to be kind of on the sweeter, more yeah. round yeah. flavor. Whereas like, I don't want an IPA to taste like I'm chewing on flowers. Dude, back in, um, what was it? I think it was June, May or June, um, Sierra Nevada put out a beer called, uh, I think yeah, we talked about you're it. Yeah, you about that. Um, oh, shoot. It was called Wildflower, I think, or something. Because yeah, it was the Wildflower Races. Yep, the Wildflower IPA. Race. Yeah, and that was a bouquet in a glass. Mm. It was, And it was kind of good, but I couldn't do more than like seven of them. <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah. No, like one was enough. This beer kind of, in a weird way, reminds me of eating a salad. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Well, I could maybe picture like a Caesar salad if you got like the lemon on top, like mm, a lemon squeeze. like a Like a kale. Like, really? Like balsamic almost. That's I don't get that at all. It's but. just the earthiness of it. It's got a very, almost a vegetable vibe. I okay, get a little, yeah. A little of the earthiness. Like if you ever just chewed kale without any... Dressing yeah. or accoutrement. Yeah, it's what I count as my workout every day. I'll just eat kale. You're just you. Just, you do uh, kale curls. Yeah, <laughs> just feeding yourself the kale. You ever feel like that? Though? Like eating. Have you had raw kale? Oh yeah. It's just it's like chewing sandpaper. Dude, I made these uh, these shakes uh, because I I listened to Joe Rogan mm-hmm. and he does it and it's yeah. it's terrible. Yeah, I done spinach in in smoothies, but yeah, it's not nearly as abrasive as kale. No, so it, it's this shake. It's called a, a Hulk load yep. <laughs> because it's green. Sure, I get it. Uh, yeah. And it's like four cups of kale, like a whole clove of garlic, like four tablespoons of ginger, mm-hmm. and then like a bunch of apple cider vinegar. Yeah. How was it? Yep. It sounds about right. It's like running through a garden with your mouth open. Yeah. Yeah. And then immediately running to the bathroom. It's a weird garden. It's a lot of stuff to grow in one area. Yeah. But if you just like, if you were Gallagher... And you were in the front row, and Gallagher was smashing garlic and kale. <laughs> it was like that. It was an all-out affront to my senses. Yeah, I had a fresh, a fresh, a fr- it's hard to say, a fresh pressed juice. Fresh pressed juice. All right, it's not hard to say. And uh, well, it was kind of hard. It was made with um, with kale, cucumber, lemon, uh, garlic was in there. Parsley made its way into there for some reason. All right, isn't that a garnish? No, in this case, it was a main ingredient, like that's and it was like the main ingredient because this thing tasted like lemon parsley Ugh. together. It was, uh, you know, it was intense. I bet you felt like you should walk to yoga class while you were drinking. It. I walked to that place, which is why I was like, "Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a fresh pressed juice kind of guy. Let's do this." All of a sudden, I'm, I feel like I'm worthy of a fresh pressed juice. Yeah, and it was like seven bucks, like twelve ounces of it, and I forced it down because I was like, "Well, this is." This was that happen. out at that Fresh Twisted Cafe? No, no, it wasn't. This is out of town, but okay, uh, that. Was, they probably have something similar. That place is very good. Yeah. I've had, um, uh, when I was like strictly dieting, like no fruit, mm-hmm. <laughs> I went in there and I got a kale, cucumber, lime shake or some ridiculous yeah. thing. And it had like a half of an apple just to make it sweeter pal- and like, yeah. palpable, <laughs> like just so you can consume it. Palatable. Yeah. 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 Not palpable. That's it's both works. What? It's, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, hold the apple. No way. And they're like, what? Yeah. I'm like, no, for real, hold the apple. How was it? It was not bad. Yeah. There was enough like cucumber. I like cucumber water a lot. Mm-hmm. So like with enough cucumber, it kind of balances out. But 
That stuff's good for your digestive system, though. Tell you what, yeah. it is. Yeah, that's true. Very cleansing. Garlic and what you were saying with the the Hulk is the the apple cider vinegar. Like, mm-hmm. it's very trendy right now, apple cider vinegar. But it's been known for a long time that that does a lot of really good things for you. Yeah, it's trending now, but like I feel like it's some ancient knowledge for sure. Hasn't yeah. it been around forever? Um, I feel I like don't know, but I've been. I mean, I've been using it since I was a kid for getting sick. Yeah, like as soon as uh, I mean, I hate it. Nobody likes drinking it, but I like it. Like you take a shot of that. I'll just drink it right out of the bottle. Ugh. Yeah, that's intense. I can't do that. It is intense, but like I've had some kombuchas that are like half kombucha, half yep. apple cider, mm-hmm. and there's a line of si- uh, apple cider vinegars now, like in Safeways. Yeah, you can get like a blueberry apple cider vinegar. Oh, that's weird. And they're nice. Yeah, it, I think vinegars or apple cider vinegar is one of those flavors. Um, like for me, I just immediately smell Easter egg dye. Um, totally. And I just can't do it. So I would make, when I was getting sick, I would make like, I would take an ounce and a half of really strong bourbon, uh, hot water, lemon, ginger mashed up or like muddled. Um, I'm missing a couple of things. The apple cider vinegar, a uh, little bit of garlic and cayenne pepper. Oh, nice. And like, it would be about eight ounces. That's a banger. Yeah. In, oh, and honey, obviously honey helps to hide everything. Yeah. And it's good for your throat if you're getting a sore throat. So nice. It was okay. That sounds nice. We'll call that a max load. Yep. Please do not ever call it that. <laughs> we'll call it the maximum load. Um, I broke Max, guys. Yep. He's dead. <laughs> okay. uh, sorry, guys. Max Max died. This yep. is now just fresh hop minus the man yeah. bun cinema. Oh, Don't I'm die. Good. I'm good. All right. Hold, uh, hold fun fact about Vic's secret hops is that its botanical classification is Humulus lupulus. That's Whoa. the uh, genus and the species. So I'm liking this beer more and more. Like yeah. every sip, it's so nice. Yeah. This is one of the better IPAs I've had in a while. It's really good. Yeah. Um, I'm actually excited because I had I had an El Segundo double IPA a few months ago um, called Mayberry. You said you weren't too hot. I wasn't it. too crazy about it. Yeah. But we're going to try one of their other doubles, and I'm excited for that because this is really good. Yeah. Um, and it's nice because like we just got distro of this, so we know that it's super fresh. Mm-hmm. And this was bottled recently. I yeah, mean, this was bottled June, June 15th. June 15th. Yeah. Memory like an elephant on this Thank guy. Thank you much. In a military style. What's that from? Jungle Book. When they're marching. Oh. Up. Two, three, four. Keep it up. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like the elephant yeah. song in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. In a military style. Speaking of live action remakes, uh, have you seen the previews for Jumanji? Yeah. I'm going to avoid it. Not into it. Yeah. But the live action remake that did of Jungle Book. That's, yeah. So good. Pretty damn good. So good. Yeah, I'm surprised we didn't do that on the show. It was. A, did it come out while we were making the show or no? I think so. I only saw it when it came out on Netflix. I think we just missed that one. Maybe. Yeah, we're, we're missing a lot of good movies. Like like Dunkirk, we didn't have a chance to do. We're busy. Which I saw. So if you want a review on Dunkirk, just go back and listen to Hacksaw Ridge and pretend it's about Dunkirk. See, it doesn't work though. No. You haven't seen Dunkirk? No. No. Uh, no, it's really good. I've heard it's amazing. A buddy of mine actually got to see it in 70 millimeter on an IMAX theater. Nice. I was super jelly. The, I mean, the movie's big enough already. Like, there's the shots. I mean, it would do well on an IMAX. It's just, he's huge. I mean, it's Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Uh, think Inception on a giant scale. Like, those mm-hmm. big, um, sweet, maybe that's not the best idea or the best comparison because it's a lot of city stuff. But Right. Um, a lot of the far-reaching filming ideas translate into Dunkirk very well. And I think it works well on a war movie. Nice. Uh, yeah. Did you see I'm assuming you saw it. I did. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I saw it um, on our hiatus. I saw a couple of movies. I'll try to remember them. But It's funny. I didn't set foot in a theater mm-hmm. during our hiatus. Yeah. I was in Reno that one week, and um, 
it was, I was getting up really early. I woke up at four 30 one day. It was when I was sick. Mm. So I went to bed at like nine mm-hmm. at night and I woke up and I was like, well, I'm up. So and you got tons of free time during the also, day. So yeah, I was like, it was like 10 30 and I was like, I have nothing else that I've done everything that I had to do today. So <laughs> what's, and it was between Dunkirk or planet of the apes. Mm. Um, so I actually put out a Twitter poll from, from our Twitter and I was like, what should I see in Dunkirk won by a couple votes. So. How many votes did you get on that? Eight. What's dope. up? Dope. That's a lot. I wasn't, I, I never get, I, nobody is friends with me on Twitter. So that's pretty impressive. I think we're up to 600 followers if I'm not mistaken. Well, thank you for saying that. Yeah. So we're going to go on record again. Johnny now owes me two beers cause we haven't hung out and that was our deal every hundred. The other person knows the. Other I think it's here. balanced out though, because I got the Insta up to two o ten, like two ten now, yeah. something like that. Two o ten would be a lot. Two o ten. Yeah, I have eclipsed you. <laughs> I am in another universe yeah. now. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's let's bring it back to this beer that we're drinking yes. and give it a, a roundabout thoughts, and then we can ramble about um, yeah other stuff. Because I want to know, did you see uh, Planet of the Apes? No, not yet. I, I, I remember yeah. we saw it for the show, and then. Like you tripping? Or we were supposed to see it for we the talked show, about it, yeah. And then I did, and then we didn't record that week. Mm. It was never on the calendar because I would have remembered putting up a fight, yeah. And I didn't ever have to, so I assume we never agreed. That's right. No, I didn't want to see it. Maybe I did see that in our hiatus. Then yeah, I think I did because I, I was did. just geeked on it. Yeah. And How I was, was it? I was bummed. Oh, see, all of the I hate a- those movies. all of the action was in the trailer. Oh, yeah. It was way more of a drama, and the it, it's called War for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. This is more like a skirmish? It was like a couple small skirmishes. How is Woody Harrelson in that? Pretty solid. Eh, okay. Yeah, I like Woody Harrelson a lot. That makes sense. He's a beast. Uh, you didn't happen to see the Emoji movie, did you? <laughs> it's currently writing a 6% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, so I figured out. Did I'd you ask. see the official Rotten Tomatoes review? It was just a no emoji. Really? The stop. That's funny. Yeah. No, I didn't see that. It was a thing. Um, sorry, you're saying back to the beer. This yeah. beer is fantastic. I'm gonna give it a nine. <laughs> yeah, no, this beer is absolutely stellar. Um, if you are a fan of just big, refreshing, hoppy beers, it's gonna be right up your alley. I mm-hmm. mean, this beer is not overly bitter. I think it's super well balanced. I mean, yeah. it's not outstandingly malty or hoppy in any way, but you taste so much of what you're supposed to. Yeah, like this is an IPA done really well. This is a very well made IPA. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, no, everything you just said is exactly what I was going to kind of go with. Like, it's not it's not offensive. It's not underwhelming. Um, no, it's it's very satisfying. It's very well balanced, and it sits well in the mouth. And uh, we would, didn't really discuss the color of it at all, but it's just a nice, almost beer uh, colored. cloudy, yeah, golden, golden yellowish kind of, uh, but very active. Like, I'm still bubbling in my glass, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, it's very nicely carbonated, too. Yeah, it's very light. Uh, yeah, it's very surprisingly light. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be a bit heavier. So yeah, I'm going to give it like a 9-2. Cool. And I'm going 9-1. Once again, this is El Segundo's Bursted Single Hop Series Vic Secret IPA at 6%. Uh, it's available everywhere basically now uh, in California, certainly Northern California. Yeah. Uh, very affordable, wherever you can find it, I would assume. Yeah. What was this, like a 6 7 7 8 bucks. Yeah. yeah. Um, Under 10 bucks for a, a phenomenal 22. And again, this, yeah, 22 ounce, so you're not, you're not just buying a single or... Uh, a six pack would have been a good, that'd be a, st- a steal. Yeah. But I would buy this in a six pack. If they six pack canned this. Oh yeah. It'd be sweet. That would be the business. Yeah. It's the summer of canned beers. It's going to be like the just canned beer industry mm-hmm. before yeah. too long. Yep. Everybody's Which switching over. Is, I'm so fine with that. Yeah. It's great. Um, well then moving right along, let's start talking about a ghost story. Let's get some, some tidbits of info out, give our initial thoughts and maybe we'll take a break after that. Um, but yeah, what did, well, let me, I guess we'll do the facts first, yeah? Do some, some factoidals. Some factoidals, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we're, t- we're talking about a ghost story uh, written and directed by David Lowry. He is best known for his other two films he's directed, Ain't Them Body Saints from 2013, uh, which also featured our two main actors here. 
uh, Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara, and he also did Pete's Dragon from 2016. What? I still haven't watched that. I haven't either. Oh my god, he was the guy that did. Uh, I see Ex Machina. Ex and- Machina is not him. It's the distribution agency, which is A24. Oh, okay. Uh, they're a distribution production agency. They got the rights for this movie. They also have done, like you said, Ex Machina in 2015, which was. So good. Amazing. Maybe the best sci-fi movie of my generation. It was incredible. And that's a ballsy statement, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to stand by it. Yeah. They also did uh, The Witch 2016, which I didn't like on my first viewing, but I've only heard good things, so I'm going to rewatch it. Mm. Uh, And most notably, uh, they released Moonlight, uh, Oscar-winning 2016 film, Mm. uh, coming-of-age story, young gay black man. Okay. You have to have seen Moonlight. No, I didn't. Uh, I wanted to. It was at the pageant. And oh, I probably. Didn't, didn't get a I've chance seen to it, see it. I think I've seen it four times. Yeah? It's, oh, it's so good. Do you know if it's going to hit Netflix or anything? Like it will not anything? hit Netflix, no. No? Why no. do you say that? Because it's too, it's too good to hit Netflix, I think. Do you know? And I'm, I don't mean that. Like, it's too new and too good. Like, people will buy this movie on DVD and Blu-ray and everything. Like, they've, there's no way they would sell the rights to Netflix. They've been getting some good content. Y- yeah. But they Plus, it was a total indie flick. It was until it got an Oscar, and now it's super mainstream. Yeah, but they put Lion on there. Lion's on Netflix already. Oh, that's true. Lion just dropped on Netflix. Yeah. I saw that on the recently added. I'm like, nope, not about to ball my eyes out. See, uh, yeah, I made Gianna watch it uh, a oh couple nights ago, or a couple weeks ago. But um, I, I'm like, I want to cry thinking about it. It's so good. It was so but good. But the thing about is about Lion is as good as it is, it didn't get nearly as many people. Like, the box office numbers were not great. Bunch of communists. And it didn't win any awards that I remember. I could be wrong. I um, won some stuff at Sundance, but nothing major. Right. No Academy yeah. Award stuff. Um, so for that reason, I think it flew a little bit more under the radar when it came to uh, final like DVD home stuff versus Netflix. I think it's, it's a bigger candidate for Netflix than Moonlight would be. Makes sense. Um, so I don't know. But either way, keep Moonlight on the radar. Totally. And if, watch I'm, Lion. If you haven't seen Moonlight, you have to watch it. Or Lion. Yeah. Just put both of those out there. If you haven't seen both of those, yes. you just pause the episode. Yeah. Just go do that immediately. Um, yeah, they were so good. Yeah, I can't remember who uh, who directed Lion, but I I don't remember either. But but yeah, it's very good. Yeah, but Dev Patel was the business in that movie. I actually talked to uh, a buddy of mine that's actually from India about really like child kidnapping and stuff. It's and a huge. I forgot for somehow I forgot about that whole aspect. But oh, that, that was the whole movie. Made me love that movie even more. Like at the very end, there were like oh, proceeds God. from this go towards. Yeah, it was so crazy. But yeah, you're talking about just like how yeah, that's a thing. Like yeah. kids from his village got snatched. That's, and he's like, I'll watch that movie. It sounds really good, but that kid sure got lucky. Yeah, for real, dude. <laughs> he got sold to a couple of white folks in Australia. Yeah. He's like, that's, yeah, that's that not the uh, not the general. That, that is happens. not how it goes for most of them. No. Yeah. So that sucks. Yeah. But it was interesting having a conversation with someone that was actually from that country about an issue that was like relevant in his young life. Do you know where he was from specifically? I do not. And I would probably butcher any memory I have of his village. Yeah. I don't want to go there. I'd screw it up somewhere over there from like medium, like middle class. He wasn't like dirt poor. Right. You know. Well, I spent that time looking through my old notes and I didn't even write down. This is what my notes for Lion looked like. Oh, what, was, that's, what does that even mean? I know, it just looks like scribble. <laughs> it is scribble. You've gotten away from the notebook. Because right, I've been doing the Google Docs thing, which uh, is great because I feel like the, ca- the past couple episodes have been way more official. Yeah, but it's way less personal. I know. It's kind of bumming me out. But I don't do my little flashcards anymore. That's either. true. Um, anyways. So. Back to a ghost story here. It was first released in the U.S. on July 7th. Uh, actually, that's not totally true. It was released uh, to the public on July 7th. It also screened at Sundance uh, on January 22nd of this year. Uh, it had a very small budget at about $100,000. Uh, made just over that, $104,000 on its opening weekend. It runs 92 minutes long, so just over an hour and a half. Um, 
And a very interesting thing to note is the aspect ratio of the film. I wanted to touch on that. It was yeah. highly unusual. It was almost like it was filmed on like an eight millimeter camera. Yeah. It was like squared it's off. It's almost square. It's 1.33 to one. So uh, about one and a third wide and one tall. Yeah, it was very square. Yeah, and rounded off edges. Um, it is reminiscent of the time during silent films. That was basically the uh, the go-to. Because mm-hmm. um, this, this film had a very silent film vibe to And to, to it. those of us not even that familiar with them, it, it reminded me of an old photograph. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole movie, um, general, like I, one of my main <clears throat> thoughts that I had multiple times was if you were trying to like tell a story through a painting and you turn that painting into a movie... Or like a series mm. of paintings. Yeah. That like this movie felt entirely like a piece of of art, and like it could have been like a series of paintings. You know, it definitely yeah, had a vibe of like this is like a concrete piece of art, and the parts of it that were moving were very minimal. Yeah. So that's that's what I want to say too, and we'll get into this in a few minutes, I think. But a lot of it, like from from the aspect ratio and the long steady shots mm-hmm. and just like the minimal even movements with the characters in the film, it all felt very frame by frame. Yeah. Um, and it really made you ponder as you go on, like what's like, uh, no, we'll wait. But yeah. overall, did you like it? Not so much, not sure. Um, you know, I, I liked it. I'm still a bit, you know, not confused, but it's one of those movies that makes you think, which is really nice. It's right. a nice change. Mm-hmm. It's not mindless drivel. It's yeah. it's something that's very mentally stimulating. I think overall I did like it. Mm-hmm. I think I kind of want to give it a second watch. Yeah. I think it's worth it. Okay. Uh, and I kind of want to like meditate more on it. Like I'm going camping mm-hmm. soon and I'm probably just going to float in the lake and think about this movie. Yeah, man. I this movie is is maybe nothing if not art and meditation like for sure. Um and as much as I am going to go back and watch it a second time, I'm doing my very best to process it as a first time watcher just to get the the emotional right? viscer- viscerality yeah. um that I that I would from a first viewing. And one of the other things that I really enjoyed that uh, just before I forget is a song that weaves its way in and out of the movie. Um, and one of the main characters was like a singer songwriter. He's a musician. Yeah, you don't. It's not really clear. I don't think. Um, was, but he's definitely like he does music. It was clear to me and you, I think, because we're familiar with that world. Well, that's fair. Like I saw he was recording guitar parts on his computer. Yeah, he like, had like a little studio and lots yeah. of instruments around, and like he plays the piano at one point. Yeah, but he's got this one song that was really highlighted in the movie, and it. It shone through so hard. Yeah, and that song's called I Get Overwhelmed by Dark Rooms. And uh, we're going to jump to a break, but we'll play that song and talk about more of this movie right when we get back. I'm cutting off, blacking out. I've got a face this episode is brought to you in part by The Handlebar, a craft beer bar and restaurant right here in Chico, California. Johnny, what can you tell me about them? So they're an amazing little spot. Amazing! They've got a bunch of hap- tap handles. Tap handles and happy hours. And happy hours. They've Seven got, days a week. Well, they've got one happy hour. That's true. But it's it's comprised of multiple hours of happiness. And multiple days. And all multiple the, days. All of the days. Like all seven. Yeah. Every single day. What time is that from? 2, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. You get a dollar off any draft beer. That is a delicious offering. And they're always changing the lineup. Go and check them out. Any day of the week, two to six, get a dollar off that draft beer and grab some food while you're at it. They're a great local business and they support our podcast. Support local businesses that support me. I'm going there now. Let's go. And we are back. You hate it when I say that. <laughs> I've never said it before. It's kind of it's, fun. It's different when you say it. Uh, who were we listening to just then? I forget. Uh, again, that was M. The Era Parent. If you liked what you were hearing, that is available for download. That was his song, Tell Her. 
Um, we, as usual, have all the stuff in the description. Go check that out. He is great. Yeah, because this podcast supports local music. Bada ba boom. Uh huh. Yeah. Half of this podcast <laughs> is local music. Right. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of music, uh, yeah. I mentioned before the break um, that there's a song that takes place in this movie, and it's framed as a song that uh, that Casey Affleck's character is writing and yeah. records and and gives it to Rooney Mara to listen to. Um, so we're going to play a bit of that. It's called I Get Overwhelmed. It's actually by a band called Dark Rooms. And it's so good. Yeah, and we, we, we popped it on after the movie, and we both immediately just associated it with uh, with this film. Probably, oh, yeah. Probably forever, um, because it's just it's catchy. It's, it fit the mood of this movie perfectly once you accept kind of what the mood is. Exactly. Hit me with some of that, Max. So it's kind of like that. It's so good. And it really just encompasses a lot of the vibe of this yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that dude's voice is like two pieces of glass sliding against each other. Yeah, but just with like a little bit of oil on them. Just a little coconut oil it's for extra sexiness. That's two episodes in a row you've mentioned the coconut oil. I'm about it. I like coconut oil. What can I say? <laughs> Nothing. You're good. You don't have to say anything. What uh, I, I get it. Cook with it. Let's not get weird. Yeah, you can do. You know, I'm not. I don't. I'm not the the coconut oil authoritator. You can. I'm not the judge. Like you, do whatever you want. I like it on my eggs, and I like it on my ham hocks. <laughs> you know me. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know if we said. I think we probably did earlier that we mentioned Casey Affleck and Rennie Mara are the stars of this movie. Yeah. Uh, if you weren't here earlier for whatever reason, we're talking about a ghost story. Why would you start I, a podcast in know. the middle? I don't know. Um, but if you are that kind of person, this is for you. And you're a weirdo. Um, they both play unnamed characters. The only time we uh, ever see Casey Affleck's character's name is in the credits. He is references C, and Rooney Mara is M. Both of those are letters. You do see M written one time in the film on a on a handwritten letter. Yeah, but there's no, <clears throat> there's not an overwhelming amount of dialogue in this. Movie. No, there's is very dialogue sparse. It's actually um, a couple. I was reading some interviews. Uh, also, um, I've made a lot of links to put in our episode notes here. Um, so if you're curious about what I'm about to say, uh, go to the bottom of this and you'll see where I got the info. But um, there was an interview that I was reading uh, with David Lowry, the writer and director, and apparently he had written the entire like first 45 minutes or he could have seen himself writing it full on dialogue, um, but he chose not to. And so like once you finally see the ghost, you uh, he wants to establish this as what the rest of the movie is going to be. So like if he had made it really dialogue heavy in the beginning... Um, it would have kind of thrown you for a curve, but once you establish that this is this is a very still uh, contemplative movie, you're not expecting it to change. Yeah, and then when they <clears> do throw like uh, an amount of dialogue in, it really is striking. It, it wraps, it is, yeah, it, it grabs a, your attention. Distinct contrast to the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, I also want to mention Will Oldham. He is a, an actor who has a very uh, striking bit of dialogue. It's it's about a four or five minute monologue. Um, in the film, and I think it's really nice. We'll probably play some of that later. He had the most lines in this whole movie. Yes. Yeah. He did. Him or the pie. 
Oh my god! I want to talk about. That. Obviously, we're going to talk about that. Everybody and their mother has talked about that scene. Really, when covering this movie, yeah. It, well, yeah, it was one of the most powerful, simple things I've ever excuse yeah. me, burps uh, seen uh, on cinema on, on film. Like yeah. it was, it was profound. Yeah, I kind of want to go through and talk about sort of the the vibe of this movie first, and and I, I think if you're wanting to go into this movie completely blank. Which I actually would kind of recommend. Don't I go did. in expecting anything. I did. No, um, I went completely blind. Yeah. Turn off our podcast. Come back after you've watched it. But if you're if you're wanting to get a feel, um, we're not going to give away tons of things. But there's not a ton to give away. It's just yeah. more uh, more things that you might want to just experience. Yeah. And, this uh, movie was very ethereal and yeah. like not. It wasn't. It didn't have like a, a plot per se. No. Not it necessarily. Was, it was a piece of art. I mean, yeah. it was like it, to explain this movie would be like explaining a painting. Yeah, I guess this so, movie huh? reminded me a lot of a painting or a sculpture. Like, yeah, I mean, and there's there's definitely plot points. I dare say there's a MacGuffin. Yeah, in, have you are you familiar with this term? I learned it uh, in the past couple months. But you reading that book? Uh, no, actually, I learned this just from uh, I don't know where I learned it. But what the deuce is a MacGuffin? MacGuffin is basically a little um, an item or a, a motive that accelerates the plot. Mm. Um, so, like in in uh, Atomic Blonde last week, like the the list or the watch mm-hmm. would be a MacGuffin. It, it, it gotcha. accelerates the plot forward. Um, so in this case, you could maybe argue that the piece of paper uh, would function as that. You could see that. Um, but I would also argue that it's not central to the plot. It didn't really move anything. Yeah. And if there was a thing central to the plot, it would be the paper. So maybe there's not really a central plot. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you could read it a lot of different ways. Yeah. It's a movie that's very open to individual interpretation, I think. Absolutely. And, and th- that's aided by the ghost. Like, yeah. We'll talk about his costume, but it's essentially just a sheet over his head. Like, yeah. You're, you're as far as Casey Affleck's um, acting in this, your, it's all your interpretation, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it was nice in that it's not just a, like a story that's laid out in front of mm-hmm. you. Like, here, this is what this is. It's more of like, here's a piece of art. Interpret it how, how you, you will. want. Yeah. yeah, which was nice. Right. You get that with a lot of lower budget films, mm-hmm. you know, indie films. Just yeah. films that hit mainstream and that go huge blockbusters, they... You know, the mass consumer... There's expectations. Yeah. Well, and the mass consumer that goes to those movies doesn't... Maybe they need to be entertained, and Mm. there's no... You know, they need the creativity set before them. Yeah. You know, there's not that... I don't know. They're just not as popular, and you you can argue why. Yeah, I mean, it's the same argument you can make with pop music or independent Mm -hmm. music. Like, there's... um, there's sort of a mold that you have to fit. Yeah. Um, and whether it's a superhero movie or, or a shoot 'em up action flick, uh, this does not, this isn't a movie for everybody. Certainly not everybody's gonna have the patience for it. Yeah. I um, almost didn't. Yeah. Or the desire even to get through it, mm-hmm. um, which is understandable. It doesn't have to be for everybody. But if you're the kind of person that wants to let a movie or, or an experience happen to you yeah. and unfold in front of you, I think this is a good one and it makes you think for yeah. a while. You need to be like a fan of like plays or like visual art in some way. Yeah, you just, you know? I, and I think not even necessarily that. I think you just have to be willing to not have an expectation of what you think this has to be. That makes sense. Um, or even what a movie has to be. Like if you go in thinking, I'm seeing a movie and to you a movie is like a three-parter with a beginning, middle, and end, this is not that. No, it's not. Traditionally speaking, a movie, it, it would even, I would dare to say that it's felt like a very long short film. I think I see what you're saying. I'm, I'm arguing that it, this is definitely a movie, but for a lot of people, it won't fit their mold. Of it's not, movie. yeah. What, um, in, by and large, the populace's idea of a movie. Yeah, or is. even what the majority of films are. Yeah. This isn't that either. Oh, it's definitely outside the mold. Yeah. Point of what sure. I was saying earlier is if you want to go in blind, go watch it and then come back. But we're going to talk about some things that will keep you from going in blind, um, but aren't necessarily what we would call plot spoilers, but they are important aspects of the film. Um, so you are warned. 
Yeah. That's all I was going to say. Be forewarned. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, we have to know why we have a ghost. It's because Casey Affleck dies in a car crash. Um, it's shown off screen. That's not really a huge spoiler. No. It happens in the first like 10 minutes. Yeah. And like I said, none of this is really going to be too much. Um, it's going to be more specific scenes, in, at least with what I'm going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Specific scenes and in, in my reaction to them and how I think he reacted. Yeah. And there were probably four or five scenes that were just very important. I mean, you could argue that a lot of them were important and different things happening, but right. I think you've got probably a few of the same ones in mind that really stand out. Yeah, well, because there's only, there's only, we'll get there. Yeah, I think I agree. Yeah. Well, um, let's get in. Yeah, so it's it's Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara, and they're in a relationship. You get the vibe. It's a fine, it's not, yeah, like it's a, it's just a good relationship, right? They're just in one. They seem chill. Um, and then he dies, and, and she goes to the morgue to identify his body, and this is... Um, at least upon this is a few, I haven't seen the movie now in a couple hours. So thinking back, this is the first time I remember that's a really long shot. Mm-hmm. He's you just basically, she leaves the morgue and his body's laying there on the gurney covered up. And, um, there's like a, I think it's a minute, if not a little bit more of nothing. The camera's not moving. It's just watching this gurney. Yeah. And then he finally sits up because mm-hmm. now he's coming back as a ghost. He's the ghost. Um, and I do have a quote from David Lowry here in, in, on his uh, his description on why he did that in that scene. And he says, I wanted to keep pushing the audience a little more with every sequence. And this is throughout the movie. Uh, for example, in the hospital after he dies, once Rooney leaves, there's a solid minute before anything happens. I felt like a minute was the exact amount of time we could push the audience up to the point where they are wondering how long this is going to last. Mm. Um, and if you're curious at all, that's the interview that I included in the notes uh, by Kyle Buchanan from Vulture.com. Nice. Um, I'm going to have to look into that because yeah. I'd like to read. It's what, a good interview. Yeah. Um, and the whole movie feels like that. And, and shortly after that, there's a scene where Rooney Mara ends up in the kitchen e- eating a pie that she's been given as kind of like condolences. Yeah. Um, and that's like a four minute scene of just her eating pie. It was um, one of the more powerful yes. things I've ever seen like it, on it, film. Yes. And cause she's, we saw a woman grieving, you know, she just had to identify the body of her, you know, Let's say her, husband, her, her boyfriend, whatever. Lover, yeah, her lover. That sounds romantic. It does. It sounds risque. Yeah, it sounds actually too exciting for this. This is this is somebody who is her, a, a her mainstay partner. in her life. Her like, partner, this is a, a cornerstone of her. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, she's kind of morose. She doesn't show a great deal of emotion. Mm. And then she starts eating the pie. Well, true, but she gets home and like she starts just doing dishes. Right? Yeah, and like kind of going through her day to day stuff. She finds this pie left by her friend Linda. Um, who I think is the realtor, by the way. Yeah, uh, I think that was the same person. I don't yeah. know. And what was fantastic, um, because I've I've eaten my feelings before, mm-hmm. going through hard stuff. You yeah. eat, you eat your feelings. It's a thing. Um, her first move, the the pie is covered in foil. She doesn't remove the foil and set it to the and side. And set it gently. to the side like she's going to use it again. Yeah, she pulls it off and wads it up like we're not going to need you mm-hmm. anymore. Like. Yeah, and um, it's just, like you said, about a four-minute sequence of her consuming this pie. I mean, she falls to the floor. Eventually, she's, yeah, sit and it's fair to point out the ghost is watching her the whole time. Right. That's a huge part of, like, the whole vibe of this movie. I guess we skipped something, yeah. Is that Casey Affleck's ghost is just around. Yeah, it's also important to point out, so he wakes up on the gurney, right, and he's in a sheet. At some point, God or something cuts eye holes in a sheet. I don't know how that works, but... There are now eye holes. Okay? Ghost, ghost stuff happened. It's also important to note that those are not actual holes. Like we don't actually see Casey Affleck's eyes. Yeah, they're just black. They're black. They're yeah. blacked out. Okay. So he's like walking the halls of the hospital. Nobody can see him. And at one point he comes to a dead end and uh, something that I assume is like a gate to the afterlife opens up. I feel like, yeah, you're correct. And instead of stepping through, he just stands there and then it closes. Mm-hmm. And then he slowly trudges back from the hospital to their house. 
I think that was the point where he could like be at rest. Yeah, he could just go and end things or, or deal with whatever's yeah. coming next. And like traditionally speaking, when it comes to ghosts, they're souls that aren't at rest. Yeah, it's some some purgatory somewhere in between. Some unfinished business usually, right. something like that. So, but yeah, uh, fair to mention that he is standing there, you know, watching Rooney Mara's character eat right. this pie. And he is present in the room somewhere or, you know, for... 80%. At least, yeah, yeah. So he's just around, and it definitely adds like a, a creepiness factor. It's sort. Of, see, I'm wondering if it's actually creepy inherently, or if it's because what you and I have seen in horror movies, of right? Like people watching people. No, even just knowing that it's him in the afterlife, and he's just there, yeah, not able to interact, but just observing. Yeah, it's creepy, and is it's as creepy as it is sad. Yeah, you know, because that's what struck me, like. This dude's got to be sad. And there's an overwhelming heavy sense of loneliness throughout this whole movie. Yeah. Um, Almost unbearably so. Yeah. I want to talk about the pie, and then I want to talk about how this movie made us feel. Deal. Um, Eventually, she's sitting on the kitchen floor eating this pie, and she, like, starts to eat it more voraciously, and you start to see, like, tears running down her nose and dripping into the pie, and she's just quietly sobbing on the kitchen floor murdering like a whole pie i mean there's so much restraint too like she's broken at this point and, yeah and, and most people i would assume at least from a from a from a writing perspective like in this part of the script you're going to be crying bawling your eyes out and they have her so pulled back and i think that ties in well with how the whole movie feels yeah um but yeah yeah and, and it was it was just super powerful because it was a very identifiable sadness mm-hmm. and the fact that i immediately had empathy uh, and I really just you went to a place in my head and in my like heart, it it affected me like immediately. That scene was really powerful. Yeah. Also worth pointing out, there was no faking it here. Like Rooney Mara ate that pie. No, she ate the whole pie. They did one take of it, I think. That was a one take, and she was crying into the pie. Yeah, and probably for real puked afterwards. I guarantee it. So that's what happens on screen. In the movie, yeah. she ate like three quarters of an apple pie and puked. Mm-hmm. And she was not eating slow. No, she started... It was kind of... I've never seen so much interaction with a food dish before, but it started off like she was being delicate with it, right? And then she just... She, at the and end... She's like hacking it. She was almost stabbing it. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like there was some aggression, sadness happening. Lots of feels. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of feels. Yeah. This I, this certainly isn't a happy movie. Um, very bleak all the way through. Very... Uh, even the palette, the color palette they used, everything. Very the drab. soundtrack, it's just... It, it plods along and it, it hurts and it's sad and you feel alone and you wonder why you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, I made a note. Uh, I think I might have stolen it or a paraphrase, but somebody wrote or I wrote, I'm not sure. Um, but I wrote down that this movie doesn't so much offer answers as it uh, forces its audience to ask tough questions. That's so true. And we'll get into that a little bit more as the themes uh, make themselves known. But Yeah. So the, the next thing I wanted to touch on, I mean, we're going to jump around a little bit mm-hmm. here, but both of us walked away from that movie not quite feeling in the best of moods. Oh, not at all. Yeah. I walked out of the theater and I was like, I kind of want to just like curl up in a ball and just in the dark and just be for a minute. You yeah. know, like I was very off yeah. after that movie. I mean, because it is, it is a movie that does explore themes. Um, it's obviously hard to get around when you have a ghost that's lingering. Like um, obviously the afterlife comes up. Um, like the purpose of your life or mm-hmm. the purpose of your afterlife, if there is one. Um, and it's hinted at not so subtly uh, in one monologue that it none of it, no matter what, none of it matters at all. And it was like that monologue was intense because you're like, he's right. He is. And let's, so that's the monologue we're talking about with uh, played or not played, delivered by Will Oldham. Um, 
and I'm going to play a minute. It's about a five minute clip. I'm going to, or it's a five minute monologue. I'm going to play about a minute 20 of a clip. Okay. Um, and then we'll talk about that and more of that in just a second. Let's wrap this all up under the blanket of someone thinking this is something that they'll remember me for. And they did, and we do. And sure enough, we do what we can to endure. We build our legacy piece by piece, and maybe the whole world will remember you, or maybe just a couple of people, but you do what you can to make sure you're still around after you're gone. And so, we're still reading this book. We're still singing a song. Kids remember their parents and their grandparents. And everyone's got their family tree, and Beethoven's got his symphony, and we've got it too. And everyone will keep listening to it f for the foreseeable future, but that's where things start breaking down, because your kids, do you have kids? Wait, who here has kids? You, your kids are gonna die, yours too, yours too. Hey, just saying, they're all gonna die and their kids will die, and so on and so on. And then there's gonna be one big, one big tectonic shift. Yosemite will blow, and the western plates will shift, and the oceans will rise, the mountains will fall, and 90% of humanity will be gone. One fell swoop. This is just science. So it starts off, I mean, it's nice, right? There's this, like, there's this, there's Beethoven, and Beethoven transcends generations, and uh, all this stuff, and but it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, and then it gets real bleak. So real it's, quick. it's like four and a half minutes of this guy talk, at a party, by the way, just talking. And then it matters. It doesn't matter. It matters. It doesn't matter. Whatever you think, ultimately, it's not going to matter in the end because the universe is all going to be drawn into itself on a subatomic level and we're not going to be able to see what's left. Like, And then that makes you think so much. And then yeah. you start thinking and then you're like, well, if I have kids, they'll remember me for a while and then maybe their kids will remember and me. And that's it. And then that's it. You've maybe got three generations mm -hmm. that will remember you. Yeah. Unless you're like, like a president of something yeah. or you do something that'll change the world. You're gone. You're gone. Yeah. And that's a, that's a very real thing. Like, Well, that's why we're recording a podcast, right? Yeah. And I don't mean to get too personal. We can edit this later if you don't like it. But like you and I have both had family members pass. Recently. Recently. Like no, the past, we're not past, editing past this. Month. This is real shit. Right. I mean, and that's, that's a, it's a real thing. People, people die. It's just a fact. We're going to die sooner than later. Yeah. Uh, in the grand scheme of things. And it's just like, uh, I ponder that all the time. And that's the reason it, when I left this movie, it was just, well... That's all true. Yep. And and whether or not you you apply meaning to that uh, is different per per case, I guess. But yeah, um, it's sort of hard to deny that at least regardless of what your beliefs are in an afterlife or heaven or hell or whatever, on Earth, nothing lasts. Nothing you do here is really gonna matter. I don't want to say matter. That's such a hard word. Yeah. To apply to this, but nothing's going to last for sure. There's not um, a longevity that any one of us can really attain. I mean, let's look at the presidency of the United States, for example. Yeah. Well, the most prestigious role in America, right? Sure. Would you agree? Yeah, sure. All right. Grover Cleveland. Yeah. Say, I mean, for the past, we've been around for 240 years. Yeah. That's it. Mm hmm The Roman Empire has already, has lasted, they lasted like 400 years. Mm -hmm. we're and we're even... looking back through an empire like, what a bunch of chumps. Yeah. And who were they? Who was that guy? Yeah. And now yeah. look at our own U.S. presidents. Like, what did Glo Gro uh, Grover Cleveland you. do? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's so many of them that we have no idea, but yeah. they ran this country. There are people that spend their whole lives learning what those people did, mm -hmm. which is also crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Because then when those people die, unless they've taught a bunch of other people. I don't know. Yeah. Like eventually that knowledge. There's a bug. Is just going to <laughs> dissipate. Yeah. 
You know, uh, like and that bug's life. Yeah, that bug is dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's, like you said, it's a, it's a topic that's come up in both of our personal lives uh, in a very direct way very recently. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think that uh, in and of itself, uh, I, I mean, I've been in more of an emotional place probably than I normally am anyway. Um, and then just watching something like this is definitely more impacting when you've already had these kind of things on your mind. Yeah, it's insane. Um, so so essentially what happens in this movie is that he goes back to the house. Rooney Mars' character can't see him, but we go through her grieving process. Can I say one thing about sure. the party? Uh, it, it It's all about the place. We need to clarify that. Yeah, and I think an- that, yeah. I think that becomes, well, it becomes clear in the movie, but it's probably good for us to say it too. It's important for you guys to know that the whole movie is set in the house and time kind of becomes fluid. He, it's going by really fast. Or time is fluid. Uh, there's a case made for that. I, I read somebody saying that it wasn't made clear that it was all about the space. And I think that's garbage. Um, cause it seems very clear to me that it is when you look at the, the, if you take the timeline that's presented to us out of order and you put it in the proper order mm-hmm. that it is happening, mm-hmm. um, it's all in the same place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this party that this monologue happened at was in the same house, and then it, there's another f- uh, single mom and two kids that move into the house, and it's all uh, seen through the, the ghost's eyes. Yeah, and it's very important, too, at this point in the movie, if you're, if you're concerned at all about structure and you're looking to us for advice on watching it, um, Rooney Mara goes through her grieving process. There is a scene where another guy shows up to the house. We assume this is a while down the road. Like they've uh, been out drinking. They kiss in the doorway kind of thing. Um, and this is a point in the show that I want to talk about. The Kuleshov effect, uh, which I didn't know there was a name for this, but apparently it's this idea that uh, we put our own uh, our own feelings onto something. Mm. Um, so I can't think it's like Robert De Niro or somebody. Some some classic actor was like, or no, I almost thought of who it was. Uh, so Daniel Day Lewis. No, it's, and he's older than that. But basically, it was like I didn't know how to portray this scene, how to convey the right emotions. So instead, I did nothing. And let the audience put it all on. And this is like a master class in that because mm. your main protagonist has no facial expressions at all. Yeah. Um, so like that scene where she's kissing a guy in the doorway, what happens is we're shown that and then we're shown the ghost's face, which hasn't changed at all. It's just the sheet. But immediately we think, okay, he's, he's angry. in love with her. He's sad, angry, whatever. Um, turns out we get a little justification there because he knocks a couple books off the shelf. But yeah, but whatever your first emotion is, you're going to project onto that character. Right, which I think is amazing about this movie because it, it – will be a different viewing experience and a different interpretation for everybody. For sure. Um, that scene seems pretty cut and dry to me. Uh, most of us would have that reaction, I think. Yeah, but I feel like you could apply that principle to the whole film. Absolutely you can, yeah. yeah. Um, you're just you're just forced to use your own experience to um, relate to this ghost, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty cool, pretty scary, yeah. depending on how you come away from the film. Yeah. No, it's, it's a movie that is immediately forcing you to be introspective mm-hmm. and also definitely projecting your emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like, this is a movie I wouldn't want to watch if I was already in a bad mood. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's intense. Yeah. Um, so she ends up moving out, Rooney Mara does. And the movie slowly transitions from being about their relationship to being about something bigger. Um, and uh, like you said, a single mom moves in with a couple kids. Um, and I don't like, I don't want to dwell on the specifics necessarily. They move out, then some like college age kids own it. They throw a party, and that's where that monologue happens. And then they move out. And then um, I, at some point, like the house gets demolished. Um, and I guess I don't want to just list the plot points, but yeah, no, but there's, it's just a whole bunch of things happening around this space. But regardless, uh, this ghost doesn't leave. Casey Affleck stays right in there. I don't think he can. No, I don't think he can either. And that's something about, if you want to say there's a reason why he's here, maybe that's it. Um, I do want to point out that at some point when he's in the house alone, 
um, he notices out the window another house. Oh, yeah. And there's another ghost. Ghost friend. And you are smiling, and I am not. Inside, I'm crying. Yeah. Um, because, and the way these two ghosts communicate is with subtitles. They're both wearing sheets. They both look a little silly. Like, the other one's wearing, like, a curtain. Um, I'm smiling just because it was, it had to, in my head, it's like a momentary solace for him to know that he's not suffering alone. I don't, I mean, I, oh, I didn't think of it that way. For me, well, yeah, it'd be like if you're in prison and say the whole prison was abandoned, but then somehow you see someone in the distance trapped in another cell, you know you're not alone. Yeah, I'm going to, I like that. I'm going to darken it. Don't go with this if you don't want to. But the way that I interpreted it was more, um, well, I guess we'll say what they said. Um, the ghost across the way said, hi, he said, hi. Um, and the ghost across said, I'm waiting for somebody or I'm waiting for some, yeah, I'm waiting for somebody. And Casey Affleck's ghost says, who? And the ghost says, I don't remember. That was so sad. It was so sad. And, it was and, like and heartbreaking. I, I know. And I took it to mean less of, well, we're both suffering together. It's all good as to more like, wow, that could be me. Like I could be here forever and eventually lose my purpose, mm-hmm. lose my purpose in death, regardless of what I had in life. I could be here for who knows how long. Yeah, you could be this soul with unfinished business and then forget what that unfinished business it's is. It's just so tragic. That's like the bleakest of the bleak. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's that interaction. So but that's fun. At the same time, it is kind of funny. Like, No, on the first sight of them yeah, interacting, totally. it was, and then he said that, and then your heart breaks into a million pieces. Yeah. Because there's this poor ghost that doesn't know why he's there. Yeah. Just so somebody sick. left behind for whatever. Yep. Um, anyways, we go through time. You realize time's passing. Like the house ends up getting demolished right as, I guess we got to talk about the note. Mm. Mentioned it already. Yeah. It's some, right before Rooney Mara leaves the house, she writes a note. It's a thing she mentions in the beginning, uh, AKA the birth of our MacGuffin. And she writes something. She says, I used to leave little notes in the houses, um, that I lived in so that a little piece of me would always stay behind. Also something out of, uh, David Lowry's life. Mm. He used to do that. He used to like carve his initials into the foundation or something, hmm. something more than wallpaper or painting. Cause people can change that. But if you leave foundationally a bit of yourself, it's always gonna be part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so she says that's what she used to do. And she leaves a little note, sticks it in between a crack in the wall and paints over it. And there's a good chunk of this movie where the ghost is trying to drag his nail and trying to get in there through a sheet. Pretty, Relentlessly. Pretty sad. It cuts to that specifically after that monologue, Basically, nothing matters, and then immediately cuts like scratching, 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 mm-hmm. uh, which is even worse because it's like he was there for that monologue. He listened to it. He knows, and he's got to feel that that he's still like for whatever reason, I'm still going to try to get this note or the ghost across. I'm still going to wait for people. I don't even know why I'm waiting, but I'm going to wait. Yeah, because there's some aspect of holding on to hope mm-hmm. for for who knows what. Yeah, I don't know. he doesn't know. It's the ghost spirit. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's a big theme in the movie, him trying to get that piece yeah. of paper out. And right as he's pulling it out for the first time, a bulldozer crashes through the house, knocks it all over. Mm-hmm. Um, that gets turned into like this big business complex. It seems like we're a long ways in the future now because it's really high-tech building. Um, and the ghost goes, how much do we want to say here, do you think? Not much more. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're about there. Yeah. Um, basically transcends time and you can tell it's... this is a. Also, by the way, Casey Affleck was under that sheet the whole time. No kidding. Yeah. Um, Casey Affleck apparently is notorious for uh, wanting to be in things without really being seen. So this is like, an, this is what I heard from an interview as well. Hmm. Uh, this is like a perfect role for him. Oh, wow. Um, they spent a lot of time trying to capture the essence of Casey Affleck's acting. Um, so they in- initially wrote a lot more movement for the ghost, like going to get the mail and uh, stuff like that. But ultimately, David Lowry decided that it wasn't necessary and was only taking away from the yeah. from the plot. And that makes total sense. Yeah. Um, 
anyways, it's in the future, and and then some more interesting stuff happens. I'm, we're not going to say too much more, but yeah, about at this point, the movie gets even deeper than mm-hmm. we've gone into. Yeah, and it is kind of the the part where it starts becoming more open to interpretation as far as the ending goes. Yeah, um, there are a couple scenes at the end that uh, definitely take some processing. Um, I recommend sitting through the credits. I didn't get a chance to do that, but I sat in my car instead. But sitting through and really letting it sink in. Uh, what did you think about the ending? Did you like it? Did mm. it make sense? Did you hate it? Yeah, I did like it. Yeah? Yeah. I'm tempted to say I like it as well. Um, but on there's another podcast I listened to specifically about film called Film Spotting. Mm-hmm. And one of the fellows there introduced a really interesting perspective, which was, because uh, I think it's safe to argue that the ending added a, it, not I wouldn't call it happy, but it was a not as bleak. Yeah, there right? was a finality. Um, and what they were saying is that they would have, or at least potentially appreciated, if the movie had committed 100% to what it had presented us with. Uh, almost like the ending felt like a cop-out in some ways. Uh, which, and they also said, the other guy was like, well, you know, at the time, I, like, I couldn't take any more of that. And it was a really nice kind of breath of fresh air, like, like almost letting out a big long thing you've been mm. holding in for 92 like, minutes. Oof, that finally. Yeah. Um, but stepping back, it, I think it would have been kind of justified if it chose not to offer that ending and stuck with what it had been. That would have been so bleak. Though. I know. Like I feel they had to end it the way they did just to not completely bum people out. Yeah, I think so too. But like at the same time, the reason this isn't a mainstream movie is because it doesn't have to worry about what people want. Yeah. Like that's the reason David Lowry did Pete's Dragon is because he had he, so he's like working with a big studio so we can afford to do things like this yeah. for his artistic side I think well I mean that's the way they wanted the movie to end yeah I mean they, they didn't compromise anywhere else yeah I don't feel like the ending was is, is all of a sudden a compromise yeah I feel like that is the period yeah, that they wanted true. to put on the statement that was this movie yeah so I mean given that and the fact that they could have ended it pretty much however they wanted mm-hmm. but they felt that this was right for the movie. Yeah. I mean, I have to take that yeah, I mean, that's true. at I face too. value, I guess, you know? Yeah, that's um, fair. And maybe they wanted to have a little, you know, hope in a realm of no hope mm-hmm. or, you know, at least a final ending or something, you know what yeah. I mean? I just think from a philosophical standpoint, like, you spend the entire movie beating us over the head with the idea that maybe none of this matters. Right. Unless they put a lot of weight on the maybe, then it's like, it turns out it does, but that also feels like a cop-out. I don't know. I don't know if I can get behind it. It's... It's interesting. I can see arguments for both sides yeah, being too. compelling. So who knows? Um, go see the movie. Overall, what do you think of it? Go see the movie and we'll have our own conversation. You want to give me an out of 10? Uh, out of 10, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this and it's really hard because like I have such mixed feelings about the movie. Like mm-hmm. it didn't really make me feel good, Mm-mm. you know? Does it have to though? No. But, yeah, a movie doesn't have to I make don't, me feel good. Yeah. And I mean... I like movies for different reasons mm-hmm. than some people, I think. But I don't know. I'm going to, for what it was, honestly, it's feeling like a like a 8.2, okay. 8.4. All right. Yeah. I really, I enjoyed the experience of it mm. because I feel like it's really important for people to feel things that they aren't comfortable mm-hmm. feeling. And I really think that this movie accomplished stirring up some things that people aren't really comfortable with. Yeah. You know, and I like that because it's it's a part of life is dying and you know, a part of life is loneliness and sometimes a part of life is crying your eyes out on the kitchen floor eating a pie, you know, yeah. and it's not pretty and it's not fun, but it's necessary and this film captured so much 
uh, of a spectrum of emotions that really are indicative of the human experience that I can't say it was a bad movie. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to give it a nine and a half. I like 9. it. 9.5. It's a um, strong rating. It's a really good movie. Um, it's a, it's an, I, I would, I'd call it important. That's, that's a really good word to describe this movie. You know, and like we said earlier, it is, it's, it makes you think it's a meditation on, on almost just the human experience in general. Yeah. Um, and what it boils down to, if anything, mm-hmm. uh, which is sort of, I mean, that's, those are bigger issues than the human brain is equipped for. We're nihilist uh, Lebowski. I almost feel like we're, our whole purpose in life is to just get our brains wrapped around the idea that we're going to die. Like that's why we live for so long is just to figure it out. Like this isn't forever. Right. Like if, if you spent your whole life thinking you were gonna live forever and then you turned 90 and someone's like you're gonna die in a week Mm -hmm. you wouldn't even like there's you couldn't even comprehend it yeah that's why it's so shocking to so many people Mm -hmm. when the time does come yeah i mean it's it's you can't fathom it um and i think little little movies like this or or discussions with people make you think about it and for better for worse think it's important yeah no this movie spoke to me a lot just where i'm at in my life right now yeah my personal life and different things going on um it's important. Yeah. I like that. And then even outside of themes and screenwriting from a technical perspective, I enjoyed I enjoyed looking at the film. It was really nice. The shots were great. Um, the sound design I thought was really nice as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of the sparse foley and the stillness of the movie in general. Um, it was a piece of art, man. I think it was really good. It was yeah. a piece of art. Um, again, we're talking about a ghost story. Um, it's in theaters. Like we said, it came out, uh, what, July 7th? Yeah. Um, so, you know, there were four, four or five uh Three or four or five showtimes when we uh, checked it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I we both recommend going to see it. Absolutely. Um, I'm gonna advocate we jump to one more break, come back with our second beer, and uh, maybe shoot the uh, shoot the old shite a little bit. Yeah, let's do that. All right, we'll be right back. Johnny, I have bad news. What is the bad news? All of my podcasts are gone. They're just gone from my phone. I'm out of podcasts. Well, you ate them? What happened? They're just gone. I don't know, man. I need something else to listen to. You have any ideas? Yeah, you should for sure listen to a book. What do you mean? This like an audio book? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like reading, but you don't have to read. You can do stuff with your hands while you're doing it. Yeah, it's like getting read a story. Where can I get one of those? Um, you're going to want to go to Audible and check it out. I've heard of Audible. They have over 180,000 titles, don't they? That's correct. And it's available on any smartphone. And right now, for listeners of this podcast, we have a special promo with them. If you go to audibletrial.com slash FHC, you get a free 30-day trial and a risk-free download of any book you want. That's insane. Here's the thing, though. I, I'm sure I'll love it, but if I don't love it, can I keep my download? If you decide you don't want your Audible subscription, you can cancel anytime within 30 days and keep the free book. Well, that's crazy. I'm just going to go over to audibletrial.com slash FHC and get that download now. I highly recommend you do. From the top. Alrighty, we are back from the break and we are in the land of Thor. Yes. Kind of. Can we go with that? Uh, let's walk down Electric Avenue all the way yeah. to Hammerland. Hammerland. I was going to say Hammerland Lane. There's uh, no way that's it, right? That's what I call my bedroom, actually. Hammerland. It's Hammerland. Uh, clearly, we've taken a deep breath uh, coming out of that movie. Yeah. Um, that was probably one of the deepest discussions um, yeah. movie slash philosophically I think we've ever had on this show. I fully enjoyed it. It was amazing. And I think we need to have more conversations like it. Agreed. Um so yeah, that was good. It's good to have those conversations, whether you're recording them for people or not. But now we've got all that heavy emotional stuff. It's in us, but it's also out of us, and it's in you, from mm. us to you, in us, in you, from us. Yeah. Anyways, now we're back to beer. We, mm, 
Yeah. I'm trying not to make stuff. So- I'm trying to line you up and tee you off, but. Yeah. Uh, no, we're. you off, tee you off. J-U Letters, off, whatever. Give me a max load. <laughs> yeah. Give you a Hulk load. Yeah. So we are on. With my Thor hammer. Mm. Landland. Hammerland. <laughs> All right. So we're in my bedroom drinking Hammerland. Uh, this is a double IPA from El Segundo. Yes, it is. Uh, this is our second beer from these cats. Um, if you haven't guessed it already, it's it's brewed and bottled in El Segundo. Yeah. It's crazy, right? Um, this beer says smell, drink, and repeat. So, Max, I want you to initiate right, sequence on. number one. Okay. You're going to smell. Nice. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> yep, I like yeah, it. Yeah. And you're going to taste. That was so gross. And then you're going to repeat. Okay. All right. Now you're going to listen to me read this bottle. <laughs> okay. You're sorry, so good at that. sniffing. Yeah. So this beer is bright. It's clean. It's crisp. Blueberry dankness. Exactly what you'd expect with a hot bill of Mosaic and Simcoe. Get your nose in that glass and give the aromatics. And the aromatics will overwhelm you like the double overhead closeouts down at Hammerland. We don't know what that means. I don't, but I feel like it has something to do with surfing and catching some gnarly waves. Because oh, there's really? a picture of a guy surfing and catching a gnarly, gnarly wave waves. Yeah, sure. on the label. That makes sense. And I've seen Point Break, and I know how surfing works. Yeah, but which one? Uh, the old one. because Keanu? The new one does not count. The new one is with that guy um, with the accent. He's in a lot of stuff, and I can never think of his name. I don't know. Um, he is, oh, man. Don't worry about it. I'll find him in a second. I don't care, because I heard the new movie was absolute booty hole The garbage. special effects and the actual stunts were better, but uh, the acting in the movie were worse, yeah. And when you, like, are worse than Keanu Reeves. Yeah, dude. That means you failed at life. Bruh. Bruh. Yeah. Uh, fun fact about Point Break. The original? Yeah. They actually uh, had some issues with getting filming dumb, done. Yeah. Uh, because Patrick Swayze, like, kind of got addicted to uh, skydiving. That's awesome. They couldn't get him to stop skydiving. Uh, fun fact about the remake there's a scene where they jump off a mountain in uh, wingsuits. Okay. One guy almost hit the ground. Squirrel suits. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a difference? No, but they're called squirrel all suits. Right, squirrel suits. But we all know what you meant. Like he came close enough, he almost hit the cameraman, brushed the brushed oh. the grass. The guy that I'm talking about is Edgar Ramirez. So those were stuntmen doing that. Oh yeah, but, sure. But still, y- like, yeah. You know, fun fact about squirrel suits: you have to have like 200 certified uh, skydives. That's crazy. Before they will even let you touch a squirrel suit. Doesn't really make a lot of sense because like skydiving, you just you just fall. You have to know so much more about so many things. Yeah. I almost feel like they're um, unrelated. They're not obviously unrelated. And the mortality rate of squirrel diving is, or squirrel, squirrel jumping. Squirrel diving, yes. I think I just coined a new so term. super redneck, uh, like. Squirrel diving. Yeah. Which what happens when you jump off the back of Jim Boy's truck. Huh. Squirrel diving. Oh, man. Uh, what were we going to say? I you were saying something I distracted you with these fun labels, huh? Yeah. Uh, sorry, it said kapow. No, I know. We're just going. I was going to El Segundo's website yeah, too, uh, they got to a, check out what they got. They got a pretty website. You should check it out. Yeah. You said this is a typical beer. They said what you'd expect with what with Simcoe and... Uh, Simcoe and Mosaic. They also use Centennial and Chinook. Yeah. And Maybe this, they don't say that. This beer is actually a little bit fresher than the last beer. It was uh, bottled on June 29th of this year. Oh, nice. So this beer, roughly a month old. Yeah. Just over a yeah, month. Just over. Um, it's delicious. Yeah, it's really good. It's uh, we've actually been drinking this since we started our uh, our talk about the movie, yeah, so it's we, warmed up a little bit. We had to drink our way through that conversation. Yeah. Um, I was talking so much that I just was trying to like rewet the mouth. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is something I don't think I'm gonna ever phrase that way again. But <laughs> no, yeah. Anyways, the, we use that beer as lube. Yes, for our mouths. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the beer we were talking earlier? Segundo El Segundo does a beer. 
um, that I think is is pretty uh, well standard crude. That's yeah. right. It's a barrel aged beer that I have in my cellar that Johnny got for me one time, and yeah. I've never drank it. Have you had it? Uh, I haven't had that one yet, but I opened my bottle of the uh, the Jetty, hmm. the the one that's to the right of that one. That one, the uh, barrel aged uh, barley wine. How was that? Phenomenal. Really, one of the best barley wines I've ever had. And Do I'm not know? a bar. I'm not a barley wine. No, guy. I'm not either. They're always too sweet. I me. would drink the hell out of that. All right. One. Uh, so yeah, so El Segundo has some of these barrel-aged things that I have heard of and, and have but haven't had, Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, we're trying these, uh, these more, uh, more hop-forward beers, which is fun. We're doing the damn thing. Yeah. And um, it's delicious. This is a really it is great really beer this episode. Do you like it more than the other one? Yes. Really? Uh, I like them both for different reasons. This one is, it's got that double IPA punch. It really does. It's 8.6%, uh, 85 on the IBU scale, so... So where Real intense. where the last one was like light and fluffy, mm-hmm. this one's like, yeah, this uh, in your face. Yeah, wake up, mother. We're here. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm uh, about to teabag you with these here hops. That's yeah. That's exactly what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's nice. It is good. Yeah. I actually think I like the uh, the single hop better. The the Vic Secret hop. But. I like them both really good for different reasons. I think like either one of them would have the appropriate time mood what you're yeah. into. So what we had in the first one was a really great single mm-hmm. and just super refreshing, super light, fluffy, totally crushable. And this one, I wouldn't want to drink a whole 22 by myself. Like it's, it would get a little overwhelming, a little bitter. I mean, you'd have to be like, you're committing to drinking that night. Yeah. So. And then you'd be super Which is fine. Yeah. Like you can, if you drink craft beer regularly, you could handle one of these, but. Yeah. Or I mean, if this was on draft and like you wanted a double IPA yeah. that was like really well balanced and super crisp and sure. refreshing, but still super hoppy and bitey. This is a great example of a yeah. double IPA. Yeah. I don't think there's anything too special about it. Um. Like you could you could put this in a lineup of other double IPAs, and for me it would it would probably fall somewhere in the middle rating wise. I think that's because double IPAs are just stock standard with hops taking over. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, it's it's super viscous and uh, really sweet to hide some of that alcohol, but it's uh, no, it's good. Um, it's very clean, like you said, um, very bitey, and I think it I think it does what it set out sets out to do. And it's yeah. like it's like a buck more than than the single. Um, like using words like single when we're talking about bottles is tough. Uh, the single hop IPA is about a buck more than that uh, for a 22 ounce, and yeah. uh, that seems about right. You're getting a little bit more bang for your buck. Yeah, and yeah, doubles, triples. They right. always just incrementally the price will increase. Um, yeah, I dig this beer. I'm just gonna jump the gun and give it a 7.8. I'm gonna give it an eight. Yeah, Woo. yeah, it's good, solid. Uh, definitely a beer that gets better as you drink more of it. Yeah, overall as any high alcohol beer. <laughs> exactly. Um, overall, I'm gonna give El Segundo. Uh, two big thumbs up for yeah. for beer this week. Um, I'm very pleased with both of our selections. Yeah, good job, El Segundo. Yeah, you guys are killing you it. You rock our world. I am glad that you're up here. I will reach out to El Segundo now. I don't know what that's going to do, but I'm going to do it. Do it. And say, is there anything you'd like us to add in our notes? You should tweet at their faces. I will. Yeah. Maybe. I, I'd like to know how, how big they are as a brewery. Um, how big are your barrels, yo? Yeah. That's a good question, actually. How much do they brew? Because... Like you were saying, it's only been around for, or well, been in Chico again for a few weeks, but it was here before that? That's what I've heard, yeah. I'd never seen it. Yeah, neither. So it's good to have it back. Yeah, totally. And then hopefully that means we'll get like the barely standard crude mm-hmm. and then like the, the other one. What was the? Oh, the old Jetty. Old Jetty, yeah. Because yeah. you have to try wine. that barley wine. I would I'd love, love to try to, it, yeah. I'd love to do that with like an old conundrum from 50-50. Oh, that was a good one, man. Dude, we should do a barley wine episode and like watch uh, Sideways. 
What's Sideways? The wine movie with Paul Giamatti. I don't think I know it. Oh my God. It was, you've never, I'm not drinking Merlot. Uh, that's a wine movie. Nothing? Nothing at all. Wow. Sorry, you have to bleep me again. That's okay. Um, not <laughs> it's so, already done. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, yeah, it was really a fantastic movie. We should we should watch that for the show if okay. you've never seen you it. You should jot that down because I will for sure forget. Th- that is a classic. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll remember some other time. All right, fair enough. So, yeah, beer, beer was killer. Yeah. The movie was killed. Yes. <laughs> yes, every, yes. Um, Death I, was rampant. I do have a question. Sure. Do you want to get naked? Okay. And get in isolation tanks. Oh, for sure. Let's do it. Is there one in town? There's a place opening up. Oh, no yeah. Way. There's also a trampoline park. You know what? Never mind. I want that place to myself. <laughs> There's nothing. Oh, I know. Yeah. I'm sure you know. We yeah. ain't going to talk about that, no, though. we're not. But where's the isolation tanks? Uh, I don't know where it's going to be. I just liked them on Facebook, but they're like a chain. And they've got really nice isolation tanks. So what we're going to do is not say anything about them. And then we're going to reach out and be like, hey, do you guys want us to plug you on our podcast? For sure. Yeah. But I I want to get down with some. We should talk. Yeah. So uh, let's get naked. Could, and- dude, that could be our next uh, Patreon event outing. <laughs> we just all go. No. <laughs> I'm going to do that like by myself or with you. But it's the, all the tanks are in different rooms. So it's not like. Yeah. It'd still be fun to all like just show a bunch of hairy dudes. Yeah. We want this. Get naked. Here, beer. We want. Just take over the whole thing. Yeah. My cat's angry. Yeah, she should be. She wants to float too. Yeah, who doesn't? So yeah, there's that's gonna happen. Yeah, for sure. If we do that, we'll send pictures. Probably oh, not yeah. of us in them, but pre and post. No, I'll, I'll send it while I'm in there. Yolo. I'm not scared. I ain't never scared. I'm gonna put my iPhone in a Ziploc bag. I've got a life proof, so I guess Shit's I'm the. It's gonna get weird. I'm the prime contender. I'll just take it in there. Why you not? Get I'll do a, a time lapse. Should get a little buoy. For your phone, yeah, and just float it around in there and listen Be to this so podcast funny. while you float. Yes. <laughs> uh, good news. I just got a text saying that a friend of mine found my missing birthday bomb. Oh, that is exciting. Boom. It's actually your birthday bomb then. I was about to say. Actually, I was going to give you mine, but if you want, it doesn't matter. I don't care. Yeah. It's around. Yeah. But either that's way, true. that's it's around good now. News. It is around and it's so good. I haven't had this year's yet. We need to open one as soon as you get it. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, to wrap things up, you guys, try El Segundo Beers. Go watch uh, the film that we've been talking about, A Ghost Story. And get naked and float in an isolation tank. Yeah. Sorry for not updating you on our lives, but we had a lot to say, and it seems like it worked because we've been talking for uh, about an hour and 15 minutes no, solidly. I think we both knew that this was going to be a content-heavy episode. Yeah. Also, if if you've been a long-time listener, um, and I sincerely mean this, if you're hearing this and you've heard more than four or five episodes, um, we've changed up the format a little bit in the past two episodes where we've been a little bit more... Uh, information heavy, um, like today with the hops or the movie production stuff. If you like that, uh, please let us know. If you prefer the more uh, off the cuff kind of stuff, let us know that too. We uh, do things for you. I'm not changing. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Screw these people. <laughs> also, I'm still off the cuff as hell. Yeah. And if y'all don't like it, just weigh in if you like. You can go soak in an Epsom salt bath. Boom. Uh, on that note, my name is Max Minardi. My name is Johnny Summers, and for Fresh Hop Cinema, we out. I thought that's what you were going to say. We will catch you later. Oh, that's really weird. That's something I'd say. We'll catch you on the flippity flop. Can we try it one more time where where we just, what are you going to say? I don't know. Should we like harmonize and be like, I'm Johnny? No, how about we, like, we harmonize? The, let's harmonize on the last line. We out. Do you want to do we out or we are out of here? <laughs> we are. Or what did you say? And we will catch you later. Doing do that. You have to do it super white, though. Oh, yes. Well, so for Fresh Hop Cinema, I am Max Minardi. And I am uh, Johnny Summers. And, and we will be catching you on another later time. This Goodbye. See ya. It's Fresh Hop Cinema. Cinema.